introduction. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. It's always fun just to come here and touch bases and see what's going on with people's lives. It's always a pleasure. Um, I was here two weeks ago, uh, and uh, I introduced uh, a, like a little mini-series or topic that I'm going to cover with you. And uh, for those of you that weren't here, I'll fill in, and for the ones that were here, just kind of a reminder, uh, we, we looked at uh, David and Goliath, and we were talking about giants in our lives, things that are kind of overwhelming. And uh, when uh, I introduced the series, uh, we looked at David and, and the idea of having a courageous heart and how we develop a courageous heart. And for those who are here, I don't know if you remember, I gave you four kind of points that are important in creating a courageous heart. One of them was, was rewards, which kind of surprises us sometimes, but, but the Bible is full of great and precious promises. And all of those are the rewards of a courageous heart, a faith-filled heart. You can take hold of those. Those are for you. We talked about the idea of um, uh, a lifestyle of, of courageous habits, that you don't get on you know, the big scene and take down a giant just kind of out of nowhere you get courage, that there's things that have been built into your life by day by day, moment by moment, that you show courage in, in the habits that you do, the things that, that will make you strong in those really challenging times. Um, so we went ahead and we talked about resources, that God isn't going to expect you to be somebody you're not, uh, he's not going to expect you to do things you don't know how to do, that he's going to take the gifts that he's given you and the resources he's given you and, he, and he's going to use them. And then lastly, focusing on the living God. You know, it's amazing how giants begin to shrink as you focus on God and he gets bigger, right? What's that? The, you know, the, the hymn, you know, the things of earth grow strangely dim. The giants in our lives, they begin to shrink as we look at his glory and grace. Well, today I want to share with you a whole different person. We're looking at a condition of the heart. We're going to look at King Saul. So that's where we're going to be this morning. I'm going to go ahead and uh, hop on up here just so I can see all of you. And... Uh, I want to ask you, have you uh, heard of, are you familiar with the seven deadly sins? Have you ever heard of that? I, I guess there were some monks from the Orthodox Church uh, about 1,500, 1,600 years ago, and as they were reflecting upon their own lives and some of the challenges that they have, uh, they came up with these seven deadly sins, um, the sin of pride and envy anger, sloth, uh, gluttony, and greed, and lust. And, and they, what, what they kind of said is those are like the, uh, the trunk of a tree, and, and all of the things that we struggle with and all the sins that we're challenged by come out of those seven deadly sins. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at those uh, sins, uh, our, our culture has a way of, of, of trying to make some of them you know, positive. Uh, one of the ones you can't make positive, though, is, is the sin of envy. You know, it's, it's the least admirable, it's the, it's the least pleasant, 
It's the least desirable. I mean, think about it. I mean, gluttony, but you can go, you know, oh, but that person loves to party and they love to eat and they're just always, you know, trying this out and that out, you know, and we can make it a, a positive thing or, or uh, lust. I mean, obviously, our, our whole Hollywood and our whole sales culture, you know, leans into that in terms of trying to sell us things. Uh, or greed. We have the lifestyles of the rich and famous. You know, we, we have in our world ways that, you know, we mitigate those particular um, uh, sins. But not with envy. Envy is not one of those. Few people admit to envy. It's nasty. It's mean-spirited. It's, it's, it's grim. It's unpleasant. And yet we live in an age of envy. It amazes me that people that should be, that can be, at times that are content with themselves and content with their place in life and content with the people around them, you know, it, it doesn't take much to persuade them, ah, you're missing out. You know, you're missing out. I mean, you know, we live in a capitalistic society and, and, and for all of the good that it brings, one of the things that consumerism brings is the constant ads telling you you don't have enough. You're not doing it enough. You don't have the best. You, don't, you haven't done this. You haven't done that. Kind of creating this, this sense of unrest in us. Isn't that what the politicians are doing today? Well, how dare somebody have more than you? How dare they able to have this and have that? And, you know, we need to make it equal. We need to make it, you know, so everybody has the same thing. You know, and, oh, yeah, that's right, you know. Kind of from that reaching down to this, this issue of, of envy in us. In the Bible, envy is always wrong. Your, uh, your handout that uh, you have there, uh, right at the very top of it, uh, the verse that I have for you this morning is, uh, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. And then there's a few uh, other scriptures. Let's go ahead and put them up on the uh, PowerPoint. The next slide there. You know, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple from Job. Or the heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones, you know, from Proverbs. It's never good when it's uh, presented in the Bible. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's always wrong. And I want us to look today at King Saul because he's an example of this whole issue of envy and uh, how it works out. And so what I want to look at with you is how do we overcome envy in our lives? That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's, let's take a minute and pray. Father, I just want to lift our time up now in your word as we, as we go back into the Old Testament and we look at this story of, of David and Saul and Jonathan and all of those dynamics, Lord. Uh, would you not, as, not only help us understand and see what your word is saying, but Lord, by your spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, where we're struggling, Lord, would you, would you strengthen us? Would you, would you show us the way that 
this would not be a, a dominating force in our lives. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start out by uh, defining envy for you, and I, I, I like this uh, particular uh, definition uh, that I found. And, and, and what I want to do is I just want to present envy as one of the giants in our lives that we have to face. We've been doing this facing the giants, and, and envy is one of the giants that we have to face. And I like the uh, Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas. Uh, this is how he defined envy. Sorrow at another's good. I'm feeling bad because things are going good for you. Sorrow at another's good. Now, covetousness, that's where I don't have something and you have it and I want what you have. Okay, that's, that's coveting, covetousness. Envy is I'm looking at what you have and what I don't have and I feel like I'm a lesser person because I don't have what you have. That's kind of the, the, the twist on this, this idea of envy. So let's, let's read. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to, chapter 17 was where we looked at uh, David and Goliath. So we're just going to pick right up there, go right into uh, chapter 18. And, and I'm going to start by just reading the uh, first few, uh, or first nine verses and just invite you to follow along. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Just a reminder from, from two weeks ago, David had been sent by his father to check up on his brothers and kind of how the battle was going. And so, uh, uh, you know, he takes out Goliath, and uh, Saul decides, I'm going to keep this boy around. You know, he, he could be handy. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul sent David to do, he did it successfully. So successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all of the people and Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. And they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So we have this uh, picture of, uh, of the celebration that's going on after the conflict. You know, they had you know, gone to battle with the Philistines. They had won the battle. All of the, uh, the men are coming back from the battle and, and the ladies are excited and they're putting on a parade. We put on parades, you know, to celebrate things. They put on a parade and they're out there singing and dancing, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, in that whole process, you know, they're doing this number, Saul, Saul, he's our man. If Saul can't do it, David can. Well, they do a little bit, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his tens of thousands. 
And uh, Saul was very angry. He kept a jealous eye on David. He kept an envious eye on David. Let's look at, let's diagnose, let's look at some of the elements that are involved with envy, the things that we, we may struggle with uh, when we look at this. Uh, first of all, when we're looking at envy, there's a sense of a diminishing self. There, there's a sense when you're envious that, that you're lesser, uh, a, a lesser person, uh, in the process. So, so Saul, I mean, you know, they, they come back, uh, you know, he puts David in, in, in command. They come back, they're celebrating the victories. You know, Saul should be going, yeah, man, my man did it. You know, we're on the same team, you know, and, and he, he carried it out and the guys followed him and we're the winners. That's what, I mean, that's normally what you would do, right? But not Saul. He doesn't hear his name comes first. He doesn't hear that he's killed thousands. What he hears is David has killed tens of thousands. And so Saul sees him rising and he looks at himself, you know, and he feels like a lesser person uh, in, in the whole process. A couple things about envy that are interesting. One is that you're normally only envious of somebody that's kind of uh, in, a, in, a, in a similar situation to you. I mean, if you're a singer, you're not envious of a business person. You're envious of other singers. If you're a soccer player, you're not envious of basketball players. You're envious of other soccer players. So one of the things about envy is it tends to be something that happens when we look at people that are in a similar situation than us. And then the other part of uh, uh, envy, the essence of feeling of, of envy, is this this idea that um, you know somehow because of their success, I'm a lesser person. You know, I'm 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 I you know I've, I've become less because of you know, their success. And, I mean, have you ever felt that? I mean, honestly, you know, it's like, oh, they're thinner. Or, you know, guy, they, you know, they, they got promoted. So there must be something wrong with me. I'm a, I'm a lesser person. You know, um, they got recognized for the work, but no, nobody saw what I did. You know, that, that idea that, that in that comparison game that's taking place, the part of it of envy is that you're thinking less of yourself. You're, you know, you're, you're shrinking or diminishing yourself. I mean, I used to run until my knee started telling me I can't do that anymore. And, you know, I, I had a, 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 a route that I ran through the park and through some streets and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd set myself at a good pace that I thought for me was a good pace that, you know, by the end of the run, I felt like I had gotten a workout. Um, and, and I was really happy with how it goes, but then you know somebody else comes along and they're running, and they're a little faster than you, and they run by you, and what's the, you know, gotta, you know that whole thing, I've got to keep up, I've got to keep going, I, I mean, I, you know, and, and rather than staying in a place of being content with what you're accomplishing, that there's that comparison thing that just pushes you, and... Uh, 
And that's part of what happens with this area of envy is, is, is this whole idea of comparison. So what do we do? What's, what's the solution to this? I'm going to kind of give you kind of these are the expressions of it and kind of give you these are, these are some of the answers to those. And, and first of all, I mean, simply just stop comparing yourself with other people. Just stop it. <laughs> you know, cut it out. It, it doesn't do you any good. Work on your thoughts and, and monitor them. And, 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 and not only on the negative stuff, but the positive stuff too. Uh, and of course, the you know the other side, the other side of that is, how about just rejoicing in what God has given you? Uh, rejoicing with who you are, rejoicing with the relationships He's placed around you, rejoice in the opportunities He's given you, Re- rejoice in you know the things that He's given you and the provision that He's given you. That we start rejoicing, we practice you know accepting you know what God has given us and being thankful. I'm going to tell you something that doesn't surprise you, but you need to hear it. It's okay not to have everything, right? It's okay not to know everything. I mean, we, you know, we, 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 we get so, so you know, caught up in, in this whole thing, you know, and we, we, we forget that. It, it, it's okay not to be good at everything. I mean... Who is good at everything and knows everything perfectly? There's, there's nobody out there. You know, and at some point, it's, it's I've got to be okay with who I am. I've got to be okay with my place in life. I've got to be okay with the gifts that God's given me. And when I do the envy thing and the comparison thing, it's really easy for that to get off track. So be aware of that in terms of this, this, this idea. Now, the second area that I want to talk about that sometimes has to do with envy and shows up is demonic influence. Now, look in verse 10 with me. It says, The next day an evil spirit from God came forcibly upon Saul, and he was prophesying in his house why David was playing the harp as he usually did. And, and, and so there's, the doors are actually open for an evil spirit to come on him. Now, now, I think for most in the church, you know, we understand that there are evil forces in the world. Uh, many people that are not church-going wouldn't agree with that. Ah, you know, that's just... You know, but, but, but we understand that, and um, it's kind of interesting... When you pay attention, whenever the news covers one of these really grisly kind of, you know, murder kind of things, how often the person says, I don't know, there was just something that came over me. You know, there was, I was hearing these voices and there was, there was this compulsion and it was pushing me and I just, I felt like I had to do this. You know, and you go, what is that? You know, it's, it's evil forces. It's evil spirits. And, 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 and the thing we need to remember is they, they don't just drop into your head. You know, you're a happy-go-lucky person. Everything's going fine in life. You know, they just don't go drop in there and, and then, you, you know, you go weird and you go evil. It doesn't happen that way. What happens is that there can be behavior patterns in our lives that open the door to that kind of thing if we're not careful. You know, opens the door to these kinds of things. So, the, so the, you know, the Bible talks about that. If you harbor unforgiveness 
for a very long point of period of time and you begin to get a root of bitterness in your life, you're opening the door through that for uh, uh, an evil spirit or, 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 or you know demonic kinds of influences. If if you're if you're if you have uncontrolled anger where you just constantly are blowing up, you are in a situation where uh, a door is open there. If there if you're involved in some kind of repeated sexual sin, that's a that's a, a doorway for this kind of thing. Drug use, you know, and prescription or non-prescription, it it, it opens a door and. And, as we see in the Scripture here, uncontrolled envy, where it's just taken over and you've got this thing going on inside of you all the time with somebody. It's, it's a doorway. And so we need to be careful. You know, there's a place that we can then at that point pray. And, you know, Lord, Lord I, I confess, man, I've, my heart towards this person is not in a good space, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and I, uh, you know, I want their demise. I, I want them hurt. I, you know, I, 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 I'm just, I can't think about anything else. You know, when you get in that kind of situation, it's, it's a confession. Lord, I, I think I've, I've got a, a, a root of envy in my heart, and, 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 and I want to stand against evil influence. And I want to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I say, Lord, cleanse me, release me, free, free me from that. You know, remembering that the Bible says, greater is he that is in me, right, than he that is in the world. And, and, and so we, you know, if you're in that place, there, there is a place just to, you know, confess that kind of thing because it, it can get there. And then thirdly, I, this is uh, the, the third thing that you kind of see when envy, when you're diagnosing it and you see it in somebody's life, and that is a destructive feeling. They, they just, they've got this intense feeling about trying to destroy something. And of course, we, we see that with Saul in verses 10 and 11. It says, Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, uh, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. And as you read on, you know, in the coming chapters, in the coming story, time and time again, Saul is so angry that he's actually trying to murder David. He's trying to take him out. He's trying to finish him off. You know, and that's, uh, that's what we have, that, that, that ultimate sense that envy gets to a point where the fruit that it bears is, I want to take this person out. I want them eliminated from the earth. God, I want you to eliminate them. Get them in a car wreck. You know, give them cancer. Do something. Just, you know, that's, that's when you know that envy has really gone too far in your life. It really has, you know, a, a, a grip on you. And, and uh, that's what happened with Cain and Abel. You know, the brothers, one was envious, like, man, God liked yours, but he didn't like mine. I mean, you must be better than me. See that, that I'm, I'm a lesser person. And it finally came out with this taking his life. It's kind of interesting in Mark 15.10, I think I have this in your notes. It tells us that it was out of envy that the chief priest gave Jesus over to Pontius Pilate to be crucified. It was out of envy. Now, 
most of us don't typically go that far. Okay, I know that. I'm, I'm talking to church people here. I mean, we don't, we don't normally go that far. But, but the area that we have to be careful of is, is verbally where we can slash somebody's reputation, where verbally we can put people down, where verbally we can take them out in the sense of the things that we think about them and the things that we say to other people about them uh, that are derogatory. You know, that's where we have to be, uh, you know, very careful there. Um, the, go- the idea of gossiping and, and verbal attacks and backstabbing, that those are, th- those are the kinds of things that will come out of, of envy that for some reason has taken root in our hearts and has a bigger influence in our lives, you know, than we would uh, like it to. And so... Um, what do, we, what do we do in that place, you know? If we're in a place we're kind of chipping away at somebody's reputation, you know, and <clears throat> maybe you're the kind of person you, I mean, you can, you see it, you know, you're one of the, I see it when they do something. I, I see what they're going, I, I see what's going on there. I mean, you're, you're just really quick at ob- observing them and, and uh, spotting other people's faults and pointing them out, you know, and, and, and as you point them out, it just kind of stirs envy up in you. The solution to that is we need to rejoice with those that rejoice. We learn to need to be able to bless people that are being blessed. You know, good for you. You got a raise. Even though I didn't, you know, I mean, you got a raise. Good for you. You've been working hard. You know, you, you, you know, you, you deserve it. You know, you, you ask God, God, give me the grace to be able to bless these people. You know, give, give, give me the grace to see, see the good. Well, good for you. You had another grandchild. You know, I don't have any yet. But good for you. You know, good for you that, you know, that the door opened and there's, you know, you got, a, you got a new place to live that's a little bit more accommodating to your needs. Good for you. You know, good for you that you got recognized and they're going to give you a certificate. I mean, that rejoice with people who rejoice. That's how we overcome envy. And, and it takes work. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not like it just comes easy. It takes work because something in, in you is, just, yeah, but that, you know, you're going through all those things. And, 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 and by faith, we need to rise above it. By faith, we ask God, give me the grace, Lord. Give me the grace, to rejoice with them, give me the grace to bless them, you know, and uh, and and what they're doing. Uh, that you know, these destructive feelings don't, you know, take over and rule and just do huge damage in my life. Well, let's finish by looking at the opposite of envy because it was kind of included in the passage that I read. I I kind of focused on Saul. You know, and his kind of, I'm going to get David, and, you know, and his sense of being less and, and, and angry about it, and, you know, uh, uh, those pieces. And, and, and let's look at the, the other part of it. And the other part of it is, is with Jonathan and David, and really the, the friendship that they have. And so, back to verse 18, starting with verse 1, it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And then down in verse 3, And Jonathan made a covenant, an agreement with David. Because he loved him himself, Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. 
I mean, you know, the ultimate cure for envy is friendship, real friendship, meaningful friendship. You know, community, relationship that's, uh, that, that, that's meaningful, you know. And, and, and really, one of the things we have to be aware of is, you know, that's one of the things that we hope happens in terms of our community at church. You know, we hope that this can be a place that we can have friends. We, we hope this can be a place that we can get to know people and be comfortable. Um, but we have to be careful. Uh, because one of the things that we do, and particularly when we have new people come and visit us, there's always that question is, you know, are, are, are they going to like me? Are they going to accept me? You know, that, that, that's all. And, and, and even, even at times when we know people and we've been going through something challenging, and we'll, we'll think to ourselves, if I tell them what I'm going through and they really understand some of the pain or some of the struggle I'm having, maybe they'll distance themselves from me. You know, so I just want to say that when I say community, good community, when I say friendship, I understand it's not easy. It, you know, it's not like a magic wand, like, boo, let's all be friends. Okay, I, I understand that. But there are some choices we can make, and there are relationships that can be built that are meaningful relationships that help us get past this challenge uh, of envy, and we can practice authentic community. It says in verse 1 that Jonathan was one in spirit with David. Literally, the Hebrew's heart is uh, Jonathan's soul was chained to the soul of David. They were like soul brothers. They, they were linked heart to heart. I mean, there was, there was a, a, a real uh, closeness there. So, in contrast to what we've looked at at Envy, what, what does it look like when you have that kind of friendship? What, how does that play out for us? You know, what does true friendship bring to the table? And this is what I want to finish up with you. Four things that true friendship brings to the table. It brings a willingness to sacrifice. I mean, Jonathan gave David everything. He gave him his sword. He gave him, you know, he gave him, in a sense, those items that said Jonathan was the next king. And Jonathan was saying, David, no, you're the next king. I'm going to take a place of second. I'm going to take a place of service. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that place. I, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice. Uh, the opposite of envy is being for somebody. The opposite of envy is helping someone else succeed. And that's what uh, Jonathan is doing here. Now, I don't know. I've always heard uh, that, uh, you know, playing second fiddle in an orchestra is a, is a hard position because you're second. And yet the idea of being second and doing it with joy, being second and doing it with a sense of contentment, you know, understanding I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate I get to make a contribution, even if it's only as a second fiddle. You know, so there's that, that willingness to sacrifice. Um, secondly, uh, friendship that you bring to the table that, that really makes a difference is a friendship that you defend someone before others. You give a defense before others. D Jonathan spoke well of David. That's what we're told in uh, 19, verses 4 and 5. It's in your notes there that... That he, that, that he stuck up for David. He spoke well of David. 
<clears throat> he loved him as himself, you know. And so these, these guys had a commitment. They were going to speak well of each other even when the other one wasn't present. You know what friendship does? Speak well of somebody rather than, well, nobody's around to hear this. You really want the inside scoop, you know, and you kind of, no, you speak well of them. Oh, you know, they're really good at that. Oh, I really enjoy that. Oh, they, they're very humorous. Oh, he's got a dry sense of humor. You know, you know, uh, you know she's a good mom. I mean, you just, you just speak well of them. That's what comes out of a friendship. There's a defense of others. See, envy tears people down privately. But, but when you have a friendship, when somebody's, it's meaningful, you know, then you're encouraging and you're strengthening them and you're watching their back and you're giving a good report even when they're not present. And see, I think that's at the heart of God. I think it's at the heart of God that we speak well of one another. I think it's at the heart of God that we speak well of His church. You know, I, I, I get every once in a while, you know, on Facebook, it's where you, you hear people say, well, you know, I, I'm not religious. I follow Jesus. Uh, I don't go to church. I follow Jesus. And it's kind of like, well, isn't it Jesus that said, this is my church and I'll build it? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's a place where you can grow and mature by learning to get along with people that are different than you. You know, we, we, we need to be careful giving a, a, a good report. Thirdly, uh, what does uh, true friendship bring to the table? It brings the freedom to be yourself. And we go on to uh, chapter 20, uh, this conflict between David and Saul keeps going on, and, and Saul's trying to take David out, and it gets to a point where um, uh, David needs to know if it's good to come back into town and be close to Saul or go far away, so they make this arrangement with Jonathan. Jonathan's going to go talk to his dad, then he goes out with one of the servant boys, and he, and he shoots an arrow, and he tells the boy to retrieve the arrow, and whatever way the boy goes, David knows that it means something. And so we pick it up there, and it says, After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. And then they kissed each other, and they wept together, but David wept the most. They wept because David was going to have to leave because Saul was going to kill him if he came back. And he was just, just he was real. He was just, man, I'm going to miss you. Ah. But this is the way it's got to go for, for my safety and for your safety. Freedom to be yourself. I don't usually recommend movies, but uh, Sheila and I just recently saw the uh, documentary, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And if you ever remember Mr. Rogers or your kids ever watched uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, if you have a chance to see the documentary, it's phenomenal. But I love it. He would... Every week on his TV program, he would say to these kids, I like you just the way you are. I like you just the way you are. See, that's what friendship does. Friendship says, I, I like you just the way you are. You know, you don't have to be somebody different. You don't have to dress different. You don't have to speak different. 
I like you just the way you are. See, there, there's no envy in that. You see, that, that's wholesome. That's redeeming. Just as I am, as the uh, hymn goes. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. I come just as I am. And it's not just something you sing to have people come forward at the end of a message. Because we need to hear that again and again and again. And we need to come before God again and again and again, just as we are. And if you can develop good friendships, that's one of the dynamic of good friendships is you just accept each other with all of your differences. I mean, you know, I have people in, in, uh, that I know in ministry, they have a different cultural background than I have. They have different training than I have. They have different experiences in the life than I have. But you know what? We have things in common. We love Jesus, and we know that He loves us. We have a calling in our lives. We want to share the gospel with people. You know, and, it, and it, those are the things that bind us together because we don't focus on our differences. One of the little things uh, that I've said over the years is that <clears throat> nobody's going to have an excuse in my mind when they get to heaven for not going to church. Because Jesus will just say, you know what? I had as many variety of churches out there as people that I created. You're telling me you couldn't find a place to connect with my people, to hear my word, to worship with me? You couldn't find a place? You know, <clears throat> there's no perfect place, but you know what? You can find one. You guys have found one. You, 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 you've developed friendships. You have found that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and we want to remember that. We don't want to, I mean, <clears throat> understand that Jesus set us free and then all of a sudden start feeling the pressures of I'm supposed to be this or I'm supposed to be that. We need to continue to walk in the freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then fourthly, uh, you know, the, one of the things about true friendship that it brings to the table is constant encouragement. Constant encouragement Jonathan celebrated David's successes. You know, in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 23 there, the, uh, I think I included that, that verse. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, uh, he, he learned uh, that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. He encouraged him. David, you know, my dad's a little crazy. You know, you know, God's with you. And, and just spoke truth in him. God is with you. God's hand is upon you. God is guiding and direct you. God's got a path. Keep following the Lord. Keep doing what's right. You know, he was there to encourage. And isn't that what a good friend does? Encourages you, even in the midst of your struggles, to stay the course and make right choices. And choices that are healthy choices. Choices that are, that are good for you. You see, this, this is the kind of friendship that makes a difference and, and totally undone does envy in our lives. You know, uh, friendships where there's sacrifice, friendships where we stand up for other, uh, friendships where there's freedom to be yourself. 
and constant encouragement. And you know, when you think about it, isn't this who Jesus is to us? Jesus said to us in the Scripture that you're my friend. Jesus sacrificed for you and I. He laid down His life for our sins. Jesus makes a defense before others for you and I. The Bible tells us that He stands before God. He's the advocate. He's the counselor. He's ever making intercession for you and I. He's saying, Dad, they're mine. You gave them to me. They believe in me. I love them. Protect them. Watch over them. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy about them. Constantly standing up for us. Freedom to be yourself. The idea that Jesus made each of us unique and distinct. You know, he, he, he could have done what our machines do. He could have done the cookie cutter. There, you all look alike. You all have the same abilities, the same skills, see things the same way. He didn't do it that way. He's creative. He's a creative God. He was creative when he made us. You know, appreciate the uniqueness and the creativity of who you are. You know, and Jesus, over and over again, making expressions, now go. Live your life. Don't sin anymore, but go. Live it out. Be who you are. Be who God made you to be. You know, over and over again, and try constant encouragement. I mean, isn't he constantly saying to you and I, you, know, you can do it. Encouragement, your sins are forgiven. Encouragement, you know, I've, I've got strength. Call on me. Encouragement, I put my spirit in you. There's a power in you to work this in your life that you can't work, but he's working from within to conform you to the image of Christ. Constantly encouraging us. Keep going. You know, I, my, my kids don't, you know, they don't starve to death. They don't go without clothes on their back. They don't go with, you know, there's, there's things that the Scripture tells us over and over again which are blessings. There are things to encourage us. If you want to overcome envy in your life, a key part, you've got to have Jesus in it so that He can be that kind of a friend to you. So now you can become that kind of a friend to others. Do you have Jesus in your life? And are you letting Him work that out? And is this one of the giants that you've struggled with lately? And God's saying this morning, let's take that giant out. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we bless you. Lord, sometimes uh, it's, it's hard to hear uh, messages like this because there's no one in this room that hasn't at one point or another struggled with envy. Matter of fact, if we haven't for a while, it's probably going to pop up again at some point because it's one of the ways that the enemy tries to get us off track. And Lord, we're just asking this morning that you would renew our minds and our hearts. Lord, that you enable us to take steps towards life and towards friendship that will undo this issue of envy, Lord. And in our relationships with people will be more like a David and Jonathan relationship 
than a Saul and David relationship. Lord, we we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.